Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles. Brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and americanamusicmagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Los Gatos is an Americana band from Boston, Massachusetts. They often refer to themselves as an off-kilter and infectious concoction of folk, roots, rock, country, blues, Cajun, New Orleans jazz, Latin grooves, and more. They are my guests on this next edition of Americana Music Profiles as we dig down in that soup and find out what's behind all of that cool music. So hey guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm I'm talking with a couple of members of the band Los Gautos. Did I get that right? Yeah, Los Gautos. Okay. Uh, so I got to ask. Tell tell me where the name came from. <laughs> well, uh, you know it's always hard to come up with a name, right? Everybody has different uh, things they pull in, and um, I just we had this story about someone that got the gout, and I thought, well, that's an interesting name for a band. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and we used it for a few years, I think, as the gout. But then um, some of our first initial gigs were at my kids' elementary school fundraising <laughs> events, and we just felt—I just felt like I, I don't know if I want to see posters of the gout uh, in the hallways <laughs> where my children are right. on their way to class. It just wasn't quite the message our family wanted to get get across to the community. So we. We spanglicize it in a way to try to uh, obscure that reference. Okay, but uh, but stay true to the original intent, so to speak. Uh, so the the uh, it, it does kind of lend itself to that um, uh, um, uh, ethnic sound, uh, the, the the Mexican ethnic uh, sound of the word, uh, or or potentially the the Texas Arcana sound. But but you guys are really more of an Americana flavored band, not really that kind of Texarkana sound at all, right? Well, I, I, I think it varies. There is, you know, we do love uh, some bands that you know have that sort of influence. You know, we're, we're big fans of Los Lobos and the Mavericks, and sure, okay, um, and uh, and some of our songs actually do have a bit of a, a Latin tinge. Uh, you know, Mike's got a song called "Steal It, Pawn It, Buy Another," which definitely has a Latin vibe. Uh, yeah, um, it's got Spanish lyrics in it. Even uh, I've got a song called uh, "Tequila Set the House on Fire," which also has kind of a Latin vibe. And those yeah. are actually the first two songs on the album. Uh, after that, it starts to vary a little bit. Where well, we have quite a few different influences, so it's really not limited to that. Sure. Okay. So let me let me back up just a just a bit and and tell me how you guys actually got together originally as a band. Well, I guess. Uh, that started probably around 2006. Uh, it was basically uh, uh, me, uh, Chris Gleason, and um, and Mike Eigen. Uh, we were we became friends after hanging out with, with another friend of ours, and uh, uh, it was kind of an odd combo at first. Uh, 
uh, I was playing guitar and mandolin, and Mike was mostly playing clarinet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we would just hang out at my house until uh, all hours of the night and morning, uh, uh, covering songs and, and writing songs, and did that for a number of years. And then eventually, Paul, who's sitting here, uh, who was a friend of uh, Mike's, uh, started joining us, and then my brother-in-law, Seamus, started coming over, and it was mostly just jam sessions, and uh, Paul's co-worker, Bruce, joined us, um, and, you know, as, after doing that for a little while, we decided to take it out into the public, so to speak. Right. Middle <laughs> <laughs> school but yeah. even But even in the beginning of the band, for not much longer after Chris and I just started, because uh, the main thing about the band I think is important to take away is it's all original music. There's four original songwriters. Okay. And even back in the very early days, um, Chris and I were both writing original songs, and that was the real fire, I think, that got people interested and propelled the band forward. Yeah, because okay. there's a lot of storytelling going on. That's yeah, cool. yeah. I, I read it, down the website where you guys um, kind of described yourself as a, I'm going to read the quote here, off-kilter and infectious concoction of folk, roots, rock, country blues, Cajun, New Orleans, Latin grooves, and more. How do you... How do you combine all of those flavors together and 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 cohesively? Because it, it's I love the sound, but um, I mean, there's a lot going on there in that soup. Yeah, well, I think a lot of that has to do with the four singer songwriters. And you know, there's a quote um, from Music Connection magazine when they were writing about our live album that we think fits pretty well. They called us a a veritable grand old Opry with a modern sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we kind of like that description because we are a bit of a circus. Uh, you know, we on stage, you know, we, we've got it fairly streamlined. We don't take too long between songs, but we switch singer-songwriter every couple of songs and even switch around instruments. Um, and so each songwriter, we have a lot of shared influences, but I would also say that, you know, like I'm maybe a little bit more influenced by, you know, bluegrass and, and the kind of folk roots, but also bands like Wilco in their even current incarnation, Paul's a little bit more into kind of fifties rock and roll in New Orleans. You know, Mike's got his influences, which I love to describe. Tim Maya, Brazilian <laughs> pop, uh, so psychedelic, you know, Brazilian pop. I wouldn't say that all those influences come together in every song, uh, but uh, certainly across the album, you can hear an awful lot of them. And and I think I read where you guys actually have even added horns to that too, right? Yeah. That was a really, uh, you know, something that I think we all wanted. You could hear, if we had other people come in that were a horn, oh, one other person, but it was a disaster. But, uh, <laughs> um, but no, it, it, it's, uh, it's something that we wanted, and it, slowly but surely, but Mike, tell the story, because I think Eddie coming in is the most brilliant story. Well, the, the, horn, the horn section is known as the Continental Horns. Okay. Comprised of Eddie Barrett on trumpet and Emily Grogan, who's also one of the songwriters, on saxophone. And Eddie and I got to know each other, oddly enough, when I was refining my house. Hmm. And he was my mortgage broker. And he was doing going through the uh, pictures of uh, the house, that you know, the assessment of, of the worth of the house. And he started naming all these instruments that he saw in my basement, where we rehearsed. <laughs> And specifics about pickups, and you could just tell he was a musician. And then it also turned out he lived five minutes away from me. Oh, uh, cool! So I said, uh, you know, why don't you drop by and you know and uh, jam, you know, some night? And 
he did. He fit right in. Um, great guy, great horn player. And it's just, you know, but again, there's there's been a certain quality of serendipity about this band because a lot of us are old friends and um, and Eddie just sort of fit right in and it was one of those serendipitous moments. So, right. And then Emily sort of fell in too because she was teaching piano to my daughter. So I used to see her all the time uh, dropping off my daughter, picking her up. And then she stumbled into the Burren one time, uh, saw us finally play, and then I was like, oh, we got to go see you play. And then where we went to go see her play, she was playing saxophone. I was like, oh, God, yeah. you got to join. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah. to, to, to clarify that reference, we have a weekly residency at the the Burren, which is an uh, Irish bar and, and music oh, club okay. in cool. Somerville, Massachusetts. And so we play there every Sunday. And Emily came, sat in a couple times, and then basically never left. I mean, it's been mm. over a year now, and she's been to pretty much every show, mm. and she, she's great in the horn section, but she's also an amazing singer-songwriter in her own right, so before long, we were like, well, heck, you you should be singing some songs, too. Yeah. So, um, uh. so you, you mentioned well. earlier, you know, that the band is, is based on original music, so when you, when you bring uh, uh, two horns into the mix, do you have to rewrite your arrangements? How does that how does that fit in? Does it change a bit how the, the song uh, gets played on stage? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I know, um, you know, initially I was pretty adamant that I didn't want horns on certain <laughs> songs, uh, partly because, you know, like, I don't know, a song like Moscow Mule on the album is a little bit more, has a more of a bluegrassy vibe and fiddle and stuff like that. And I, I didn't necessarily want to muddy the waters with that. Uh-huh. So they also will do some like hand percussion and stuff like that if okay. the horns aren't needed on a song. But they do sit on an awful lot of the songs, and increasingly because they've now been playing with, with us live, we do a lot of gigs. Um, we, we've graduated from the elementary school fundraisers, and now we're, <laughs> we're playing, you know, you know, 100 shows a year or whatever. Uh, and uh, uh, they've just become so organic that they can pretty much now you know, jump into any song and make it work yeah, okay. if necessary. We've just kind of developed our sound. Uh, I think in the beginning, like, I charted out one of our tunes. Like, I had a, an idea in mind already. I mean, I play accordion in the band, so mm-hmm. sort of that can lend itself to the horns quite sure, well. Yeah. So I had some visions. But one of the things, as Chris pointed out, I mean, having our weekly residency is such a great opportunity for them to come in and hone in and, sure, yeah. and feel the vibe, because that's really what's most important. Where do you find that your music uh, as a whole fits with what kind of audience? Where do you find yourself, or the the what kind of audience do you find your find your music appealing to the the greatest? Well, elementary fundraisers do not work a- outside of the <laughs> elementary school audience. <laughs> that is a definite no. Yeah, that's a definite no. yeah. There's some visuals like. You'd really have to see Mike perform to understand what we're talking about. But <laughs> one thing that's been great, I think, is that we find, like, you know, there's not, like, an age bracket. Like, we find it's across the spectrum, and um, and that's great. Um, you know, there's times at the burn that when people come in, you never know, and they don't know who we are necessarily, sure, but yeah. they're dancing. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, like, you know, I think we've gravitated towards the term Americana because it does – it is this umbrella term that right. allows for lots of different uh, roots music influences, but also allows for rock and you know other um, you know instrumentation. And but it's tricky because some people 
kind of have a sense of what Americana is and other people need that defined for them. Um, but one thing that a lot of people just seem to say about us is that we're fun, which isn't really a genre, right. I guess. <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, it's definitely sort of a lively band, and there's so much going on with the instrument switching and different singers that I think a lot of times, at least live, um, it matters less to people what genre of music we're performing, and it's more just about um, having fun and engaging with the band. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't think we mentioned it when we started, but you guys are are from the Boston area. Do you how, how far how far south and west do you travel? Is it are you a more regional band, or do you get get a pretty good travel range? Yeah, we don't go past Marlboro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely regional. Um, you know, we're at, at present, especially with the new album and so forth, we're, we're looking into doing a little bit wider regional um, performing in, you know, in the Northeast. Uh, but uh, we don't really have the, the schedule flexibility or the budget to go too far outside of the, the Northeast, with, except for maybe with certain exceptions if something came up. But. Well, I like to be optimistic about it because if <laughs> someone's going to offer you an opportunity, I don't know if you have a large fan base in Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing some or all of you have other things that you do uh, outside oh, yeah. of this particular project. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, a lot of us have kids. Um, all of us have um, pretty serious daytime jobs. So there's, there's a lot, a lot of us are juggling uh, different aspects of our lives to make this work. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, but we do manage to play on average every week, you know, well, always every week and sometimes two or three times a week, uh, uh, and often until three in the morning. Uh, so we're, we're definitely not afraid to get out there. Yeah. I guess you could say we're doing it for the right reasons. We're doing it because we just enjoy playing. We enjoy writing and we enjoy that thing that Chris said about people, you know, having fun love to be able to be a part of that and, and, and make it fun. When So I'm guessing then that there isn't uh, very little cover, if any cover music um, performed with the band. So when you guys are um, writing your songs, is it a collective project or do each one of you bring songs to the group and said, let's try these, let's try these, and, and it's kind of more of an individual process? It's been mostly individual songwriting and arranging and then bringing it to the band and having people bring what they can to the table certainly instrumentally we've had a few co-writes um uh paul and i uh, co-wrote a song mike and paul co-wrote a song uh i've co-written some songs with um, um my friend lucy martinez who I have another band with state of domestics but uh uh haven't done a ton of collaborative songwriting mm-hmm. from scratch okay. uh, up to this point there's always been enough song i mean we we, we went in to record this this album we actually tracked 30 something songs wow. before we went down to the 13th <laughs> so there's no shortage of material which is i guess a good thing and yeah. there's always more things funneling in yeah tell me about the new record well uh again it's uh it's 13 original songs uh uh Emily uh, Grogan, since she uh, got involved in the album process a little bit later, uh, we only have one of her songs uh, on the album, but uh, she's got a bunch of other songs that she performs with us live. Um, so other than Emily's song on the album, Mike and Paul and I uh, each contributed an equal uh, number of songs. And uh, 
the album's called Mighty, which yeah. is named after Paul's dog. Mighty's on the cover, right. and he's on the cover. <laughs> I would tell you that as far as the concept of the album, or at least the way we picked the songs, the one thing that I could say is that it's 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 just a moving force from beginning to end. We uh-huh. didn't really slow it down. It just sort of had this um, this movement that we all really liked, and that was one of the benefits of having so many songs to pick from, which is like our live shows. There's that same kind of movement, energy, and spirit in our live shows, and we're trying to caps encapsulate that in a set of music on record. When you guys are performing live, do you have a preset uh, uh, set list, or, or do you keep that organic as well? It, you know, it, it depends. Sometimes for a really important gig that we're, we know there's like really uh, a set time constraint, we'll have a set list. Um, but increasingly, we're, we're increasingly we're able to just kind of call out songs as we go. Yeah, there's, there's certain songs that we typically play, you know, at every show, and um, uh, and lately we've been kind of doing the album in order, um, okay. and then playing other songs. Um, but we're pretty flexible that way um but, you know, again the band we've played these songs so many times at this point it's pretty easy to call out the only real issue would be just whether it requires you know major instrument switching well we've been getting really good at that we're kind of like firemen when it comes to that <laughs> <laughs> like, i gotta switch from accordion to guitar oh no wait a minute no we're not gonna do that well, oh shit i gotta put the accordion back on. <laughs> yeah. the, really, the really funny thing is that bruce uh Bartone, who plays uh guitar and bass, lead guitar and bass, and Seamus Feeney, who plays uh, acoustic guitar and resonator guitar and bass and Boron, you know, Irish frame drum. Uh, they, you know, sometimes somebody can't make a gig or whatever, so we've all learned to kind of fill in. But, you know, sometimes we'll be playing a song and, you know, they're switching between bass and guitar. Sometimes they forget who plays what instrument on the song. Yeah. Uh, we were doing our release party recently and realized halfway through the song that they were not on the instrument they were supposed to be on but uh, it didn't matter they both, they both know how to play the song I'm supposed to be. and somehow yeah. it seems to always happen on my song yeah. <laughs> or there's always that moment where we're like we're be playing the song and we're like hey there's no bottom end there's nobody on bass who's <laughs> 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 Well, it sounds like you guys definitely have have learned how to have fun with with all of that, rather than having being so serious that you have to criticize and stop and start over and those types of things. Where it it it, it adds, I'm sure, to the enjoyment for the audience as well. I think you're absolutely yeah, right. right. Yeah. And, you know, and we don't we don't mean to suggest that we're not serious about the music. We're very serious about the oh, music, sure. but we try not yeah. to, we try not to take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, yeah. right, right. So what's what's what <laughs> what's the how far ahead do you plan? What's the future? What what do you what would you guys like to see happen with the band? Do you do you think that far ahead or, or do you have plans? We we've been thinking about it. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, you know, now that we finally. Um, sort of figured out how we want to approach the studio because that was an interesting process. We tried lots of different approaches uh, to recording, but we've got a home studio and we've worked with some outside studios as well. So I think the next studio album will go much more quickly. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely going to do some more recording. Um, but it is our goal to try to expand our both our fan base and our and our reach uh, in the coming year. You know, as we said, we're mostly regional, but uh, we would like to start expanding a little further out. And, yeah, uh, cool. And, yeah, we have a we have Playing a plan. People. We have a we have a, a plan to headline Newport Boat Festival. <laughs> um, we haven't had a talk with them yet about that, but you know, 2050 is what we're shooting for. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so, um, if people who want to get the get a copy of the new CD, how can they do that? If they want to uh, remind us again for folks that are kind of more in your area, where can they catch you weekly? And um, you know, maybe where can they find you? Uh, you know, in the spring, what kind of festival events do you have scheduled, if any? Sure. Well, um, I mean, first of all, our website has a lot of great resources. It's uh, losgautos.com. dot uh, com. That's G O U g-o-u-t-o-s and uh uh you can buy the album digital downloads there um you can order hard copies of the cd you know through cd baby or amazon Mm -hmm. um you know we're on spotify and itunes and all those digital uh outlets uh and um and uh we're talking about doing a vinyl release that's um hasn't happened yet um, but we really would like to do uh, a vinyl release. We're hoping maybe in the spring or summer. Um, and as far as uh, shows, um, every Sunday at the barn. Yeah, every Sunday at the at the barn in the front room there in uh, in Davis Square in Somerville, uh, which for people who aren't from the area is right next to Cambridge, Mass. Okay. Um, and then we also play pretty frequently at a lot of other local venues in town. Uh, we've played uh, Toad quite a bit and Lizard Lounge and. Um, um, Sally O'Brien's and a bunch of other places. So a lot of all the kind of local Boston uh, clubs, and um, we're still working on the the spring and summer uh, schedule. But we're we're definitely uh, hoping to branch out to some uh, festivals and other things coming up. So you, people yeah. can check the website for our, our shows page and see where we're okay. playing in 2019. Irons are in the fire. Yes, yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. Well, good. Well, thanks, guys. This has been fun and. Uh, Appreciate getting the chance to, to learn about your, your music, and I wish you the best with it. Thanks so much, Greg. Thanks. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.